Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in. Enjoy. Hey, folks. Welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mind Set Matters podcast. Stephanie. Hi, hon. Okay. Another great show. It's lined up. We're ready to go. And this is show number 109. Now, I bring that up because this particular episode is going to be a bit of an extension of the last show, which is 108. And that was around identity. And, you know, who are you if you are not that? And then what I had the realization is that show 108 means that we have literally bypassed our two-year anniversary and not at least stop to acknowledge the milestone of two years because 52 weeks times two is 104 and we're done 108. This is 109. So congrats. That's amazing. How did we just bypass two years? Cheers. Cheers to you. Good job. We're here two years later. Listenership is awesome and uh, we don't get a ton of feedback. So let us know what you think about the show. Like it, comment on it. Email CEO at Rain Canada. A few of you have, so thank you for that. I appreciate it. And then when we're doing live events, I have had, you know, certainly a number of people approach me and commend us for the show and that they're super fans. They listen to the show a lot. So it's encouraging because sometimes when you're doing these kinds of shows, you're literally into a big empty bubble. You know, there's not interaction going on. So anyways, audience. And uh, you'll also notice, by the way, that throughout some of our shows, because we are, in fact, uh, driving our Think Tank coaching program, and that's coming up in March. So yes, there will be a short ad in here to let you know to text and do all of those things. So that's all part of, you know, growing the listenership, growing the podcast, and and really growing the shift coaching program and the think tank coaching programs that we want to take on through 2024. So that's kind of an update, right? Yeah, it's great. Well, the first time I heard our ad last time I was listening to the podcast, it threw me off. It was like I was so into what we're, what we were saying and I was chilling. <laughs> and next thing you know, it was a, hey, folks, yeah, okay. Francie, sorry to interrupt. And I was like, whoa, that threw me off. I'm not used to that. But it was good. I like hearing your voice. Technology is a little bit odd, and so we'll get better at it. So anyways, this is episode number 109, and this is, again, a little bit about identity because what showed up in the conversation about who are you, if not that, was a little bit incomplete. And then I thought it was complete, and then a couple things happened. Number one, we started having conversations with a couple of other people around identity and what does that really mean if you're not that and you aren't what you do. You know, that isn't who you are. That's just what you do. And then who are you? And then where does value exist? So it gets pretty, I guess, interesting in terms of a conversation about you know, who are you if you're not that defining yourself? And, you know, if you're transitioning from, you know, a career or a business to, I don't know, 
out of a business or out of a career into a new job. Is this a new identity? Are you a different person now? So it's, it is, gets a little bit, I think, I, I just think it's an interesting conversation because we know that, in fact, people are struggling with identity and sometimes they're making decisions on who they are because of who they think people think they should be. And that's a whole different conversation. So before I get into the context for this particular show, do you want to add anything to that? It's so important to just not step over the fact that when we go through transitions or the, an era comes to the end and we want to lock ourselves into who we were when we were that, or I was super hot in high school, so I don't even, you know, don't want to have to change my hairstyle or I don't want to have to change how I view the world or, or what have you. I think what gets in the way of, of that is the unknown. We don't know who we're going to have to be. So what I really have loved to do and what I've learned to do over the years is each time I've set a new goal, I've also set a new iteration for who I want to become and how I have to evolve into that. I couldn't be the same person as a skating coach or a power skating coach when I moved into being the Oilers skating and conditioning coach. And then I couldn't be that same persona and pull all of that other than the experience but pull all that identity into what was next because then it would be all about me. And when I'm doing my coaching with the athletes or with our clients, it can't be about me. So my identity has to be solid and I have to know who I am and not have to continually convince myself or others that I'm super awesome, even though that I am. So it really is important to understand that there is a way that you can throw out your, your past image, things that didn't work, things that aren't serving you anymore, things that you're so done with and re-choose and set a new trajectory for yourself. And I think that's what's really important about this conversation. Well, I think it goes on and I would expand on what you said a little bit, you know, because regardless of what I do, you know, what I know about myself is that who I am as a person doesn't change. You know, I'm always trying to grow and to be a better person. I'm trying to be a better version of Patrick Francie. I want to be, you know, uh, perhaps more considerate, more empathetic, more compassionate. I want to be a better listener. I want to, uh, you know, make sure that I'm living my values. And it, regardless of what I'm doing for a living or what I'm doing, that part of me is foundational. You know, that's how I show up. That's how we collectively show up as a couple. I mean, how we show up as a couple is how we always show up. It's pretty rare that, you know, I don't even know that we would show up. We know how to show up any other way. So at our core, it's always who we are as a couple, for example, which is based on who we are as individuals. That doesn't change given the role that we're playing, making a living, for example. So I don't know if, does that make sense? Yeah, I think what I'm trying to say is that there is an opportunity. If you're going to go and become a world-class figure skater, you can't think like a, rec a recreational figure skater. There are some things you have to change. But what I'm hearing you say is that the values don't change. The values of who you are, it's about an uncovering process, not doing more process. That's not what I'm saying. It's about what do I have to uncover more about myself so that I can embrace and attract a new level of success or a new level of communication or a different crowd that I, that I would like to, you know, embrace my work, for example. If we don't uncover more but stay true to our values, then we're stuck in a persona that maybe was from high school or university or when I used to work at Eaton's. You know, I'm not that person anymore. And like I said on the last podcast is I'm not even the same woman you married 30 years ago. Yeah. So 
I get all that. And so I guess, you know, and maybe we're talking about the same thing, but I want to just, you know, even what you just said, you know, if you're going to be a world-class uh, figure skater, you can't think like a recreational figure skater. And that's very, very true. So who do you have to become to achieve that outcome, to be world-class? But underlying all of that, you know, when you look at being world-class in a competitive sport or a competitive business or as a CEO or whatever that might be, depending on where you're, there's, there's a, a character trait of who we are, which may be discipline, maybe focus, it may be intensity. You know, those are character traits that regardless if you're being a figure skater or you're, you know, delivering mail. I mean, at literally, it's a, that that's when I'm talking about a, a bit about who you are. Those foundational things I don't think change. We evolve and we grow and but the, that discipline for example only gets perhaps more focused, more intense, more committed, but that's an underlying character that it doesn't matter what you're doing, that should be what shows up because that's who you are. Yep, makes perfect sense. Okay, so having said all of that, you know, it lays the groundwork for a little bit more about what I wanna to touch on today. So in the same kind of context of identity, you know, I've been, uh, I came across a again, a video by Jim Carrey. And I'm a big Jim Carrey fan, as are you. You know, we followed his career. We've watched him morph and change from, you know, an amazing actor to an amazing artist. And it really is quite remarkable. But in this particular speech that I saw him do, I think it was part of a speech he did to a university. And, and it's kind of I think it's been pieced together in this particular video, but there was a segment in it that really landed for me. So what I want to do is kind of, I transcribed it. It's from Jim Carrey. It's part of his speech and I transcribed it, but there was part of it that really landed for me in an interesting way. And what I want to do is just read it. It's maybe a minute or a minute and a half long. I'll do my best to read it and not trip over it. And then I'd like to kind of unpack it because I think there's some really profound stuff in here that for those who are maybe struggling with identity or really coming to grips with who they are or who they are not or feeling like there's more to them, this may be some really great food for thought. And I think that as we discuss it, there, there's some points in here that really landed for me that I'd like to revisit and, uh, you know, share. So are we good with that? Yeah, I'm excited. I love this uh, this clip. And then when you sent it to me this morning, it got me pretty grounded. Okay, so here we go. He starts, Now fear is going to be a player in your life, but you get to decide how much you can spend your whole life imagining ghosts. How much are you going to do that? Worrying about the pathway to the future. But all there will be is what's happening here in the moment. And the decisions we make in this moment, which are based in either love or fear. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. What we really want seems impossibly out of reach and ridiculous to expect. So we never dare to ask the universe for it. When I was about 28, after a decade as a professional comedian, I realized one night in LA that the purpose of my life had always been to free people from concern, just like my dad. The only one I hadn't freed was myself. And that's when my search for identity deepened. I wondered who might I be without my fame? Who would I be if I said things that people didn't wanna hear? 
or if I defied their expectations of me. And that peace that whereafter lies somewhere beyond personality, beyond the perception of others, beyond invention in disguise, even beyond effort itself. You can join the game, fight the wars, play with form all you want. But to find real peace, you have to let the armor you need for acceptance go. It can make you invisible in this world. Don't let anything stand in the way of a light that shines through this form. Risk being seen in all your glory. Your job is not to figure out how it's going to happen for you, but to open the door in your head. And when the door opens in real life, just walk through it. And don't worry if you miss a cue because there's always doors opening and they keep opening. And when I say life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. I really don't know if that's true. I'm just making a conscious choice to perceive challenges as something beneficial so that I can deal with them in the most productive way. You'll come up with your own style. That's part of the funnel. You are ready and able to do beautiful things in this world. And after you walk through those doors today, you will only ever have two choices, love or fear. Choose love. And don't ever let fear turn you against your playful heart. What's happening right now inside everybody is they're going, who am I? There was a time when I was depressed. Yeah, I was depressed when I was trying to be the Wizard of Oz. But I know now that Oz is a character. And I think everybody deals with that. Everybody walks around and they go like, why am I depressed? At times... We all need deep rest. And it's because you're trying to be something for the world. You know, as soon as you let that go, better things happen. Now, I probably didn't do it nearly the justice Jim Carrey does, but it's his speech. And of course, he's got all the nuances and all the things that go with it. But I found it quite interesting and a little bit profound in his view and the way he expressed it. And so before I get into it, you know, what did you take away? What, where would you like to kind of unpack it? Well, I think if we were more technologically advanced, we could have just played the video. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that advanced. <laughs> but I'm really glad you read it because I think it gets in your cells differently when you read or write. And, you know, hearing you say it now, this is the third or fourth time you said it. For me, it's what always comes back to and what I really got from this is that I'd rather be hated for someone I'm not. No, I'd rather be hated for someone I am than loved for someone I'm not. Mm. I'd rather be hated for someone I am and standing alone in the light of my truth than being loved for someone I'm not, for an identity or a persona or a fake person that I'm putting out in the world. And then people fall in love with that or they like it. They think they're in a relationship with that. They're hanging out. And next thing you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm a big fat liar. That's not who I am. And, and all of a sudden you start unpacking and unfolding to who you really are. And people are like, I don't know who you are. I don't even like that person. Mm -hmm. So any, anyway, I don't know. Did that, does that make sense? Sure, of course. You know, there's a, there's a part of it where he goes, you know, we make decisions in love or fear. And so many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. And, you know, it's interesting that as I'm working with a number of men in business and I 
discuss with them what they're doing on a kind of a, what are the things that they get buried in. And what we start to realize is that we get caught in minutia and we talk about not having time yet we're buried in minutia and being buried in minutia is just a way of playing small. It's a way to have an excuse for not doing more, taking action, being bigger, better, bolder. And it is uh, underlying all of that is the fear disguised as practicality, that fear of going out there and, and actually doing more. It becomes an excuse. Now, that's not all of it. That's just part of it. But it, what, it is what really keeps uh, some people playing small because of the concern for what? What they think people will think of them. And, and I never get the quote right, but it is really is, you know, we aren't who, what is it? We're not who we think we are. We're who we think other people think. No, I'm not who I think I am. Yeah, I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who you think I think I am. Yeah. Or something <laughs> some, like some that. along that line. It is, I'm, I'm going to bring it up again one time and I'll get the quote exactly right. Uh, you can Google it, but it really is about the fear of judgment, the fear of what our friends, our family, our circle of support will actually think of us. And, you know, as we go on these journeys, you know, there is no doubt about it. We see it with many is that as they come to do this body of work of self-discovery, of self-awareness, of growing, is they start to realize that they don't want to play small. They don't even maybe even like how they show up and do things. But the challenge they face is that in order for your life to change, you have to change. That's it. There really is no other way. If you're not satisfied with life, if you'd like to be more and have more and do more, you, you have to change. You have to become the person that you want to be. And that will also sometimes throw people in your life off because they're hanging out with the person that plays small, that lives in fear. And that serves them. And that serves them. That's what many don't, you know, that's the tough thing to get is when people don't want you to grow and be bigger and make you wrong and be a dream killer. It's not that they want to kill your dreams. It's being who you are serves them. And that's a, you know, that maybe sounds a little bit harsh, but it's not like people are consciously doing it. This is how, you know, this is just operating system. So in order to grow, we have to love ourselves and we have to, in fact, make decisions that we recognize that sometimes the fear that keeps us from playing full on to the degree we want to play is that fear of what others might think. We could go on and on and on about this, but what really came up for me right now is when I started training as a performance coach and back in the day, they, it was life coaching, it was business coaching. It was, you know, it was, it was months and months and years of training and online stuff. And now you could basically become a life coach in a weekend and, you know, everybody's a life coach now, but back in the day it was pretty intense. And I had to go through a lot of, case studies and give free sessions to people. And a lot of people that I knew and my friends that were really thinking that I, I had a natural tendency and a natural gift for this would help me out. And I would do coaching sessions with them over lunch or, or whatever. And, or, or I would automatically go into coach mode with them. And what would happen over time is I started gaining confidence and gaining the clarity and gaining that, that understanding that I really am quite good at this. And I think I could 
do this for a living and, and make money doing it. And I remember saying to, it was a girlfriend, I think, uh, yeah, years ago. And we sat down and she goes right into her issues and asking me for help. And what's my perspective? And I in like immediately go into coach mode and I thought, oh, here I can help. But she was, she was in request. I have to remember that. And then at the end of it, I said, you know what? I'm going to be charging for this down the road. I don't know what it's going to be, but I really appreciate that. And I said, what do you think a fair exchange would be for today? And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, what do you think? Like, do you want to buy my lunch? Like, what, what's, what do you think a fair exchange would be? And I think that was the last time we went out for lunch. Mm-hmm. Because what had happened was the imbalance got created. I'm like all of a sudden valuing myself. And all, all I was saying was, let's like pay me an hourly rate because I don't have one yet. I'm still practicing. But she hadn't asked me to go into coach mode. She just started dumping a bunch of her problems and asking for my perspective. But I had shifted. Mm-hmm. I had shifted into in a way that's like, oh my gosh, I have to value myself. And in that moment, I remember saying, well, how about, I don't know, buy my lunch. Or the other one was, why don't you leave the tip? And people got quite offended because that's who I was in their life for years and years and years. I was Stephanie with all the perspective and the ideas and the motivation and the help and the money. And I was this contributor and the giver, but that became so much a part of my identity that it became expected. And when I started to break those patterns with people, it really threw a, a wrench into many of my relationships. And I did find that even asking for someone to buy my lunch for this exchange of an hour, an hour and a half of coaching, they couldn't wrap their minds of it because in their world, that was what my rule was in the friendship. Yeah. Well, that's what friends do. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you know, and I think there is always a place for that, but when it becomes expected and when it becomes what the relationship is actually about, then it breaks down because there is that imbalance that starts to happen because let's face it, there's times where you want to talk about you, you know, yeah, you want to talk exactly. about what you got going on and you'd like some guidance too, but it never seemed to go that way. But I want to keep unpacking this a little bit because there's an interesting perspective, you know, that I think we could add to what uh, Jim Carrey said, because he said, I wonder who I might be without my fame. Who would I be if I said things that people didn't want to hear? Now, in the case of Jim Carrey, he's going, I wonder who might I be without my fame. But take that word fame out of there and say, I wonder who I might be if I wasn't in the role that I'm in, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, if I wasn't playing small, if I was actually attempting to play big, you know, who would I be? And who would I be if I said things that people didn't want to hear? And why do I continue to play small? Because I'm so busy saying things that people or I think people want to hear. And so these are all the kind of, I guess, the underlying subconscious way that we operate. And I think this just opens up a really interesting perspective. And what would happen, he says, if I defied their expectations of me, that peace that we're after lies somewhere beyond personality, beyond the perception of others, beyond invention in disguise, even beyond effort itself. So when you get to be that, when you get to show up and what happens when you get to and start to step up, then it throws people off. And that's where people get stuck. I mean, think about it. I know how often over the years I've been stuck. I think I still get stuck there. And I think that's why this resonated for me is that sometimes it's like, oh, 
you know, every time we put ourselves out, you know, two years later in the in this podcast or eight years later in the Everyday Millionaire on the other side of this conversation, you go public and you start to put yourself out there and you really set yourself up for, I've really set myself up for judgment. And the good news is, is the the accolades and the the impact for people is far better than the negative judgment, but there's still always that side of the equation. And so I think there's a part of it where I still continue to touch the brakes sometimes, but yeah, uh, haters going to hate, right? People are going to always, that's what, a, that's what that whole analog or algorithm thing is that you got to keep balanced, right? There's got to be somebody that has the opportunity to say, Hey, you're not as great as you think you are. Like get over yourself. The other thing is the the part of the Jim Carrey thing that um, the sentence I'd like you to revisit is the one about authenticity and being invisible. That one really resonated with me is if you're not being fully authentic, you're actually invisible. People can't find you. They can't see you. I use invisibility sometimes as my superpower. And when I don't want to be seen, I know how to cloak myself energetically and move through world, you know, the airports and stuff and, and get my way and get to the front of the line. But that's just me. But what he's saying, I think, is more a case of when you're not being true to yourself, people can't see you. So if you're not going to show up for who you are, then don't be pissed off if you're not getting what you say you want and you're not getting your dreams because you're being a bullshitter. That's what I heard. Yeah, well, no, and I and I think that's exactly the point of it. You know, that's how I would interpret it as well, is that if you're not being true to yourself, you are you are invisible. You're hiding behind whatever persona. Uh, he uses the term avatar, not in this particular speech, but he has in, used the term avatar or, you know, you're behind the armor and uh, you're not wanting to expose. And so people can't see you and that's not their fault. But underlying that, you may find yourself being quite angry about it all or frustrated, uh, thinking that people should be able to see who you really are, but they're not. They're only seeing how you show up. They're only show, seeing you through your words, through your actions and what you're doing or not doing. And, you know, it's an interesting perspective. And I think this really comes back to where we started the conversation, even in our last a podcast around identity. It is really a complex topic and there's a lot that lies behind it, you know, and I think there's some fear in identity that we talked about around where we said, you know, you're not what you do. You know, you're not your job. You're not your role. You're not your title. And if that changes, who are you if you're not that? The loss of identity when you change jobs, the loss of identity uh, if you got fired or got laid off, if you sold a business, if you said, no, I'm done, I'm being honest with myself, I hate this career. And everybody's going, what? You know, you've been an engineer for 20 years. Yeah, okay, I hated it. That's not who I am. Yeah. You know, and so then what happens after that is that people place their value on what they do, not who they are. And that's kind of the interesting perspective that's hard to wrap our minds around, I think, is that where is our value if, if we can't identify with what we do for a living? Yeah, exactly. Where's our value? What do we bring into the party? What do we bring into the party? So it is an interesting uh, conversation and it's an interesting discussion that I, you know, look at it from this point of view. You know, he looked at it, you know, who am I? 
you know, if without my fame, who am I? Let's take off the armor of my fame. Let's take off the cloak and let's remove this amazing or this actor avatar. Well, who the hell am I? Right. And so who he is, is Jim Carrey. He's a father. He's a husband. He's an artist. He's a, a talent. I mean, he's, he's a lot of things. And people see this persona, of course, of his fame as an actor. I think we all can look at that from a very high level of what he's accomplished and all the things that he's got going on. But let's, and, and that could go for any number of people. He's just the example in this particular conversation. But I look at it and say, okay, where are we afraid to step into that? Where are we afraid to step into our greatness? And uh, whoever it was, Nelson Mandela or uh, Marianne, Marianne Williamson, who, who made that quote, you know, it's, it's, it's not up to us to play small. It's not our job to play small. You know, it's really to shine in this world. And that's not an exact quote by any stretch of the imagination, but it is along that lines. You know, it is really, it is, we owe it to the world to step in and to be our greatest selves, to live our best lives. And that has to be for most intentional because it takes courage. It takes discovery. It takes self-awareness. It's the body of work that you and I are totally immersed in and have been for many years trying to go through and down this path and, you know, working with individuals who say, no, I know I can be more, I can be better. I can achieve more, I can contribute more, I can make a difference. And so I'll stop there. Uh, what's, your, what's your thoughts, what's your comments as we start to wind down here? Well, I think we wind it down with one of the things that I really got to is that if we're not living our gifts, the world doesn't get them. We're here for a purpose, whatever that is for you, you know, whatever level of understanding, awareness, spirituality, spirituality, religiosity, whatever the word is, like whatever you believe your purpose is, there is an underlying gift that I believe each and every one of us has. And some of them are grandiose, like Gandhi and Buddha and those dudes. Or there's just people like me that just want to help other people become their best selves and, and have the experiences that they choose and live a life of authenticity. That's enough. I had a girlfriend who worked at Shoppers Drug Mart and her gift was beauty. She made people feel beautiful in the cosmetic department. And you know what? It doesn't matter how grandiose, how big, how small. It's just if we don't find out what that is, if we don't honor our gifts, then the world doesn't get it. And then we're ripping people off. You know, there was uh, something you said there around, you know, number one, our gift, but our purpose. Because I got asked this question the other day, you know, by uh, a client and uh, part of the men's group. And, you know, he said he he believes or he think he's thinking, and this is kind of contemplating, you know, that he just doesn't know his purpose and he wants to identify his purpose. And in the moment, you know, what showed up for me around purpose and that's kind of what I'm contemplating. And sometimes these things show up for me and it just shows up. And I think the place to start for examining your purpose, if you're looking for what is your purpose, part of the question to ask yourself is what would you do regardless if you got paid for it? What would you do? What would you do if you could live your life doing something for free, what would it be? And that's gonna take you in a direction that might help you identify purpose. That's my thought, and I'm just contemplating that. Any, any comments on that, 
Well, that's the paradox is, is that unfortunately how that gets translated for people that are truly artists or giving their gifts or don't see value in what they're bringing to the world, then they don't see that they still need to pay their bills and they still need to put gas in the car and feed their children. So we call that the starving artist syndrome. And honestly, that's another reason why I'm so committed to bringing my gift to the world is that I believe that we're all designed to bring our gift to the world, to be a massive contribution in any way that we can and be well paid for it. And so that we can live and exist and continue to take care of ourselves, take care of our neighbors, take care of our friends, take care of our community in a way that is loving and socially responsible. And also knowing that if we don't have that, then nobody wins. Nobody wins. I get it. And I agree with you 100%. But just to kind of clarify what I asked the question or the comment I made is what would you do whether you got paid oh, for it or not. Me? No, 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 no. Oh. The question I put out there was when somebody says, you know, I don't know my purpose. How, how do I find my purpose? The question is, what would you do for free? Yeah, exactly. What would oh, you okay, do if you weren't paid for it? I didn't say don't get paid for living your gift. That's not my suggestion, even in the but slightest. But that's how some people hear it. Yeah. Is that I have to throw everything out, the baby with the bathwater, so that I can go and, you know, be an artist in the Himalayas. No, it, it isn't that. If you want to be an artist in the Himalayas and that's your gift, find a way to make a li- find a way to be paid to do it. Yeah. So the question of purpose is just one way of, you know, the, the comment around that was if you're looking for purpose, one of the things that you might consider is what would you do even if you didn't get paid for it, which is not to suggest that you shouldn't get paid for it. But we have a tendency to do that. It's like you offering all of the coaching and all of the insights and the gift that you have for being able to do that and not charging for it. At some point you go, I love doing this. I would do this for free, but that makes no sense because I got to eat. I got to pay my rent. I got to, you know, whatever the, the point is, is I'm not. And then, sig- I'm, then I'm not being authentic. And then also in, encouraging and coaching people to get paid for their gift. Yes. Totally. So that's not what I meant at all, nor is it what I said. I just want to be clear. Folks, I know. I just do want what to you sure love to I, do. Hey, 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 just slow down, cowboy. Just know <laughs> that I'm on your same page. Okay, fine. Don't piss me off. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm your wife. Okay, listen, I think we covered some good ground. Hopefully there was some good value in all of this. And uh, Stephanie, as always, thanks. Yeah, that was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, Thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.